Hey there, this is David Fitzgerald, the author of Jesus Mything in Action, and you're listening to The Canadian Atheist. I'm making the assumption that all of you check in every now and then with some kind of news outlet and have a view of what's going on in the rest of the world. Isn't it as plain as could be that those who commit the most callous, the most cruel, the most brutal, the most indiscriminate atrocities of all do so precisely because they believe they have divine permission? Shall I answer my own question? Shall I insult you by adding more? Who can't think of an example of this kind? Let me put the question in another form that I've put in now. Uh, every forum from YouTube to C-SPAN to the wireless to the print to the radio to the television and in, in, innumerable forums to those who say that without God there can be no morality. You are to ask yourself two questions. You are to name a moral action undertaken or a moral and ethical statement made by a believer. I dare say you can do it. You are then to say that you can not imagine a non-believer making this moral statement or undertaking this moral action. Can you think, can you now think, can any of you think, you have, don't have to answer now, you have all night, and, and you have my email. <laughs> and I've done this with everyone from the Archbishop of Canterbury to even lower people. Um, <laughs> you name me the ethical and moral actional statement that a believer can make and an unbeliever cannot, and there's a prize. And I'll tell you that about that later. Now there's a second question. Think of something wicked that only a believer would be likely to do, or something wicked that only a believer would be likely to say. You've already thought of it. The suicide bombing community is entirely religious. The genital mutilation community is entirely religious. I wouldn't say that the child abuse community is entirely religious. I wouldn't. But it's bidding to be entirely religious. <laughs> it operates on the old Latin slogan, no child's behind left. Welcome to the Canadian Atheist, a podcast about news, current events, and commentary on all things atheism from a Canadian perspective. Now, this podcast carries the explicit tag and wears it like a motherfucking badge of honor. So if you get offended, you might want to switch off. The CA records each week live from Apostasy Studios. Why not join in the discussion? Find us on Facebook, email us at thecaa at rogers.com, or follow us on the old Twitter machine at the underscore CA underscore podcast. If we're amused or tweaked by your stuff, we just might even use it on the show. And now, here are Michael and Dean. All right, here we go. Welcome to CA. Today is Monday, November 5th, 2018. I am Michael. I am Dean. And this is episode... You go ahead. Oh, okay. You're going to make me say it. <laughs> yeah. 69, dudes. I can't believe I even said I can't believe I even said that. And that was not just a voice from anywhere. It wasn't me either. No, it wasn't you. <laughs> um, Dean, today, joining us all the way from... I, I lo- and I love the posts you do when you're like, you know, you say stuff like... Um, uh, soggy but uh, glorious, or you know, all those different things. Foggy but beautiful, Fog- San Francisco. Pardon me, pardon me. Yeah, ah. foggy but beautiful, uh, San Francisco, California. Uh, author and all around good guy, David yep. Fitzgerald. David, Woo-hoo. welcome back to the Canadian Atheist. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, sir. It's lovely to be in Canada. <laughs> uh, that may be more true tomorrow. <laughs> we'll talk later. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Uh, so okay, so um, David was on a long time ago. You had you have a real job, so you weren't able to be there. <laughs> but back in um, episode five, you were saying episode right? five, yeah. 
So David's done a, a bunch of stuff. Um, he's the author. The, and the, So my first exposure, I have to say, I'll say again, some people have heard this before, but my first exposure to David was on Dogma Debate a yes. million years ago when he was on Talking About Nailed. Yes. Which still, to this day, in fact, just yesterday, was the subject of conversation between my father-in-law and myself. It, ne- it, it, never, it never stops. Um, but we'll, we'll get, I love it. But we'll get more into that uh, later. So, um, so Nailed, 10 Christian myths that uh, show Jesus never existed at all. Um, also the author of The Complete Heretic's Guide to Western Religion, book one, The Mormons, which was possibly the funniest book on religion I've ever read. Um, and I remember listening to the audiobook about that. What about The Life how, of Brian? Um, no, no, and it's funny because um, after listening to, and again on Dogma Debate, when listening to David Smalley talk about how he did the, the, the reading for it, <laughs> and how he would have to stop all the time because just these ridiculous things he'd say, yeah. and it was factual, and then he'd bust out laughing after hearing whatever it was. Um, and David is also the co-author of a book called Time Shards with his lovely wife, Dana. Um, but, but most recently, most recently, um, there's the trilogy, not Star Wars. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Star Wars is a lot more than three for Star Wars. You know that. It's, it's the original. <laughs> everything, yeah. everything else is, is, is window dressing. The original. <laughs> okay. But, but I'm talking about, um, the Jesus mything in action books. Yes. So, um, and one of the things we're going to talk about today is the fact that volumes two and three, and I, I had to tell, I don't know which one is my favorite, the title for the third book, the gospel according to H.G. Wells, or the fucking milk <laughs> crate with Jesus on it for the second book. <laughs> I'm not sure which one is my favorite. Um, I've read them all now, but I'm excited to hear the, to hear the audio version as well. Um, so let's jump right into that. Let's talk about books two and three of this series. Let's do it. Yeah. So this has been a long this has been a long project getting these the second books to audio. It has. I mean, we we did a great job of getting the first audio book out in record time, and then Dave Smalley sold his audio book company, Pitchstone, and that's right. that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, um, we we got the first one out with, by Pitchstone, but it just took a long time to to hammer out the details um, on book two and three. We finally decided, you know what, we'll just do it ourselves and bite the bullet and and. Uh, and do it, and I'm super pleased with the results, and everything that I was afraid would be really difficult to do, we managed to power through it and make it happen, so they should be out, uh, they may be as out as early as tomorrow, maybe in a week from now, but certainly very, very soon, this yeah, month I, for sure. I checked iTunes this morning, they weren't out yet, um, but I'm just kind of like chomping at the bit, just waiting. Um, um, it's, I mean, so reading the book, is like, um, the tactile feel of a book is one thing, but here, okay, who did, who did the reading? Did you do the readings? I did the readings. You did yeah. the readings. Okay, that's cool. I all, three books, all three books, I did the reading. The yeah. author has to read the book because right. you, get, you get the full sense of it. <laughs> yeah, very, very good. So, so this whole thing, this Jesus mything in action. So there's been, there's been a lot of interesting stuff come up that I've noticed uh, lately. Um, are you familiar with the, um, uh, the non sequitur show on YouTube? No. Okay, so you should check it out. But what really is that? How does that follow? Well, so, okay, so it's, well, it's, it's interesting because they do a lot of Jesus mythicism talks. 
And, Do they? And oh. I sent uh, Kyle Curtis and Steve McRae. They're the two guys that run it. I've sent them uh, your information. I said, you've got to reach You got to reach out to this guy. Like, they've had Richard Carrier on, who mentioned you, actually. Um, yeah. uh, on one of the times he was on, they've had Robert Price. They've had uh, Bart Ehrman. They've had some of these different, um, you know, uh, mythicists, uh, historicists on. And it's really, really cool. But there's a lot of, I can't believe someone else is calling me now. So that's <laughs> no. just silence. Um but it, but it, some of the interesting things that are coming up is, and this is one of the things that I want to talk to you about is. Okay, so what? So one of the quotes I heard, uh, you know, Blake Genta. Uh, yes, 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 okay. yes. G G Y N T A. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Super yes, nice right. guy. He was on the podcast a hundred years ago too, and yeah. one of the things he said that's interesting is, um, and I have a quote here. Quote: No credible historian is convinced that jesus didn't exist way to poison the well there blake yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> for starters so, yeah. so well, i think so, and let's well let, you know here's the thing let's just take out the credible bit and just say uh if you just go by how many historians accept mythicism how many don't the first thing we i i, and I mentioned in book one already uh can you hear me i think yeah, you've broken I can up hear you perfectly Okay. Um, The first thing I should say right off the bat is this isn't a fight between historicists and mythicists. It's a fight between those historians who take it seriously, right or wrong, and those who just dismiss it out of hand. Right. Uh, Yeah. And and I think it's interesting because right off the bat, I mean, you've got um, you've got Robert Price, who wrote the case against the case for Christ. Right. Um, And the Nicene New Testament, uh, pre-Nicene New Testament. I mean, yeah. And you've also got Richard Carrier, who you collaborated with a lot. Uh, exactly, absolutely. And who wrote his two uh, his two books, both of which broke my head when I tried to read them. Uh, the first one, uh, Proving History, uh, talking yeah, about his awesome. book, on his all of his Bayes awesome. theorem stuff, and then how yeah. he, how he applied that in the second book to the historicity of yep. Jesus. Yeah, and, and just go ahead. Yeah, it, just the, the the volume of of facts in on the historicity of Jesus alone is is amazing just it's a brick of a book it's right. just got so much in it so why is it such a hard pill to swallow like why are why are a lot of these i don't want to call i mean i guess apologists right um sure so well i mean i guess from one side if they give up if they even toss the hint in there that maybe jesus wasn't a historical figure christianity falls to pieces but yeah you, you almost have to start by dividing all the biblical historians into two camps right from the get-go you've got the religious leaning ones the christians the protestants the catholics uh anybody who has a you know a dog in the hunt basically their jesus is already miles away from any of the Jesuses you get from a secular historian right and once so let's just put them aside because no matter which who comes out on top between historicists and mythicists the Jesus of faith, he's out. He's long gone. Um, where we can all agree that that guy never existed. The question is, we know the Bible, the Gospels that we have are myths. They're myths about a guy. The question is, are they myths about a real guy or is it myths all the way down? Right. And that's what right. the crux of the, the argument is. But if you take if you take just the secular biblical historians, even the ones who insist that, oh, yeah, there was definitely a Jesus – a, once you pin them down on who they think Jesus was and what he did and what he said, if you've got 50 secular historians 
talking about Jesus, you've got 50 Jesuses already because there is no consensus on what's authentic to what he said and what he did, the tradition. And, uh, and that should be our first question right off the bat is if you're going to say, you know, what Jesus said or did, what's your source for that? What does your source say and how reliable are your sources? Those are the first things we should do out of the gate. Right. So Dean, your parents are super religious. (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't say that. No, lucky Dean. <laughs> no, well, they, they are religious. They, they. I, I'm, I'm not sure they attend church uh, on Sundays anymore. I mean, when you talk about Meredith, her parents are super Catholic religious. Right. My parents understand the camp that I'm in, and I think they get it. Um, they're just not willing to let go of that because of they're getting they're getting on in years and they want to hope that they you know hedge their bets they, exactly what, what about your family yeah like, like how do you think this how do you think a conversation like this would go over with your family in south africa oh my god that is <laughs> there was somebody some my one of my aunts posted a a thing on facebook about a woman in africa who gave birth to siamese twins okay. and the twins were going in for an operation to be separated and she was saying pray for this family and you know blah blah and i said don't pray do something right right like mm-hmm. volunteer at your local hospital give blood support your yeah. your doctors and stuff like this because of science and technology is the reason why this operation can even be attempted today so give yeah. thanks to the wonders of science and technology that we've been able to discover. And the very next post was some other woman that I don't know saying it's in the hands of Jesus and <laughs> Jesus will help and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Right. Praying the, the, to do the, what is that? What's when you, when you care to do the very least. You care enough to do the very least, that's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we had an interesting conversation with now the, I guess, somewhat infamous former president of American Atheists. Um, I guess, when was it, back in April? Yeah. April or May? Something like that. Yeah. And, and I asked him the question, because I didn't know where he stood on the mythicist, historicist angle. And he said yeah. something really interesting. Of course, we're talking about Dave Silverman. He said, yeah. uh, he said, he said you know what, it doesn't matter. Yeah. He said, it doesn't matter whether the guy was a, a real guy or not. We know he didn't do any of the miraculous things that are attributed to him, so who cares? So right. The, so the question to you is, so you're, you've now written four books. Absolutely. Why I'll you, tell you yeah. why it matters. Yeah. Yes, I'll tell, and I'll tell you why it matters to atheists, because everything we learn in this back and forth between the historicists and the mythicists, what, whoever comes out at the end of the day on top, Everything we learn in that back and forth helps us call the bluff of anybody who tells you they know what Jesus wants you to think or behave or how to vote. Full stop. Yep. Good and point. but for me, I mean, I mean, that's reason enough for me. But honestly, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to really look at where Christianity came from, and even the stuff that we don't know about. There's so much stuff that we know for sure already is not true about Christianity. And that's where Book Nailed came from, yeah. is saying, well, obviously these are top 10 ways that the official story just does not hold water at all. Yeah, um, yeah and it's funny. I've had, I've had uh, I get Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on my door all the time. And I've pulled yeah. out, uh, one of the co- uh, cool things is when you, when you download the audiobook, you get the PDF, right? And, yeah. and you have that timeline. Yeah. Um, that, and I'll pull, that, I'll pull that timeline and I'll say, well, you know, if you look at this, because one of the things, like for instance, Jehovah's Witnesses love to say Josephus. They yes. love touting Josephus' ah. name. And it's like, well, okay, but here, it's like, if you look at this, you know, he would have, at the most, at the most, he was an <laughs> infant. 
at the time. No, he wasn't even born. Full stop. I mean, he he wasn't born until at about five years after the latest figure I have. Yeah, but I mean, even if you even if you give even if you give a like even if you give another five year gap and say let's just be five (laughs) generous, he's an infant. So it, yeah. at, the, at the absolute most, it's oral tradition. There's no right. way when he wrote Antiquities of the Jews, there's no way this was an eyewitness account. It's not right. possible. And, not and, possible And Antiquities of the Jews was 90 years. Not, yeah, six, the year, written in the year 93 the or 94. Yeah. 93 or 94. And you know what's funny is even Bart Ehrman, who's a staunch historicist, even he agrees. He's like, you know what? Even if every single word of this is true, and we all know it's not. We know this has been heavily forged. Right. Um, even if every single word in that in that testimony was true, all it's saying is what the average Christian on the street would have been saying in the late first century. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, okay. So, uh, what's the next thing that I wanted to, uh, to to get to? So, what what have you got next on the uh, on the horizon? Because I'm I'm dying for the next um, book in the Heretic series. Right. Right. Well, we're contractually obligated to finish our science fiction trilogy right now. Okay. So we'll talk about that's, that. that. That's the one you're doing with your lovely wife. That's that is exactly the same. Yes. And we'll talk about that later. But as far as the the complete heretics guide series goes, um, the next book is going to be taken from my talk on sex and violence in the Bible. Ah, OK. Sexy violence, violent sex, the weird ass morality of the Bible. Um, is that the official title? That that's the official title of the, the the talk itself, and yeah, that we'll probably be able to cram. Look, we'll see. That's awesome. Um, Going <laughs> to do so. Sex and violence, the Bible, and as, as soon as I start working on that, I'll also start working on the next book in the series after that, which is going to be on the Jehovah's Witnesses. Right, right. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. We we talked a little bit about that. I've got a mountain of stuff for you. Can't I've wait. Had, I, I can't had, wait. I've had um, I've had this the same guy now. His name is Thomas. Yeah. And uh, and Thomas has been visiting now for I want to say a year and a bit. Wow, he's not been scared off. I'm <laughs> No, every every week he comes in and and it's funny because um and one of the things that that's interesting is uh in my experience as witnesses is they it's 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 big props for them when they get a when they get quote unquote a callback. Oh, they, I, I can see how that would... to the same place. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and, and they, 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 he started to try to work in, oh, you know, you should come to the meetings. I'm, I'm not coming to the meetings. You should come to the assemblies and uh, mm-hmm. I'm not coming to the assemblies. But it, it's it's interesting. And he's he is he's honest in his approach. He gives yeah. me his stuff. Um, you know, he asked I'll ask him questions. He asked me questions. We go back and forth. Yeah. And he always I'll give him questions and say, well, I'll look, you know, I'll look into that. And I'll get back to you. He's never gotten back to me with one thing. <laughs> <laughs> he always yeah. comes back you need with to more start a list. You need to start a list. And yeah. <laughs> but he's always, he always comes back with more questions. Right. Right. Um, okay. So, David. Yes. Um, you got this little thing. I, I, there's no way I can let you go without talking about the election. Yeah. There's yeah. no way I can let you yeah. go without talking about the election. It's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely worried. Yeah. I, I'm sure you voted weeks ago. Oh no no no! I'm I'm voting tomorrow. Oh, you're voting tomorrow. I am, but for sure, I am voting. Yeah, I'm I'm not sleeping on the job at all. Is and it I've been, part of the like? Is it part of the excitement? Like you want to go out there to feel the buzz? Like what is it like? No, I mean I just I've always voted on the day of. I um, just I you know it's not there's nothing no rhyme or reason to it. It's just I just never got in the habit of of doing early voting. Oh, okay. Um, so official uh, but, so so official predictions. 
You know what? I, honestly, I don't even want to play that game because so many people last year, last time around, just bowed out because they thought, oh, well, there's no chance. You know, Trump doesn't have a chance in hell of winning. So, and I hate Hillary for fill in the blank, whatever lame ass reason they had, uh, you know, and, uh, or they wanted Bernie to win. It's like, yeah, I totally get that you want Bernie to win, but Bernie didn't make it for whatever reason. It's like, yeah. you know, do you really hate Hillary more than you hate Trump? It's like, nah, you know. Yeah, there's been so many people that I've heard that like in the in the podcasting circuit and in, you know on the news and stuff like that and on the news they they fall short of saying you know it's your fault but right. um, some of the other podcasts are like if you didn't vote for Hillary in the general this is your fault <laughs> absolutely and Don't, and more to the point i mean there was 40% of the voter turnout i believe uh it was either either 40% did not vote at all or only 40% voted i can't remember what wow. the the number was but it was, it was an astounding number of voter apathy um i mean anybody could have won if everybody voted oh, i remember they're, they're saying that the largest um political group in america is the non-voter really? scary isn't it <laughs> yeah startling yeah though this time around it's very interesting to see especially like in texas where the new voter registration has gone up 508 percent yeah I saw, I saw that today i saw that that gives me hope yeah that's... but uh and and it's funny because in, in Canada, millennial – I mean a lot of people are talking about how it's the millennials. And sure. my experience with millennials in Canada is just just unbridled apathy. Uh, they, they, can't pull their, they can't pull their faces away from their phones long enough to do much anything. So, I, I mean I'm hoping that's – I'm hoping that's just a stereotype and not the reality. Um, but I've, I've given up on trying to make any kind of predictions of, of politics because we've gone so far off the rails already – in the last two years, I things that I never thought would ever be in jeopardy are like going out the window. Just simple thing, the press, right? Full stop. It's like uh, the anti-intellectualism that's going rampant right now. It's the scariest thing. This side of Mussolini and Hitler, um, and it's always a stereotype. Is like the the old uh, trope of oh, whoever you disagree with is Hitler. Yeah, I don't. I don't say that lightly. It's like he's yeah. using Hitler's playbook. You know, everything he's doing is what Hitler was doing, what Mussolini was doing, no, and all true. his favorite dictators were doing. Yeah. You know, no, it's very and, true. It's very yeah. true. So we got to get back into the. Uh, we got to get back into the into the the new books for a second. Sure. So, so we talked before about, um, you know, about how about how nailed was you know basically you know the the, the top ten ways of how the story doesn't hold up. The right, and then right. I remember. I remember talking to you af- uh, sometime after that, and how you said that the, this this trilogy of books that had to become a trilogy because it was a bazillion pages long. Yep. Had to turn into three books, and that the idea behind this was this was a this was a. It's not saying what Christianity wasn't. Right. It's saying what Christianity was. Where did Christianity come from if there was no Jesus? Right, and then um, and then a part of the rationale behind these three books was an answer to some of the critics of Nailed as well. Particularly the atheist critics right. would hit me with all kinds of things that just don't hold up. Yeah, okay. when you look. Yeah. Okay, so then okay, so let's walk through that a, a, a little bit more. So, so with okay, so let's look at the uh, uh, at the second book in the series. Sure. And so, if you had to kind of give me your your Cole's notes on that, what what can people expect from book two? Sure. Well, it, it'll definitely give you a breakdown of both. In book one, it's mostly 
talking about with like behind the scenes in Jesus studies and, and biblical right. study and making the point, for instance, just one of many points that the question's not how many historians disavow mythicism. It's how many are contractually obligated to reject mythicism publicly because sure. those numbers are astounding. No, and it's, uh, very, it's, it's very interesting because I, I remember I was having, I'm having lots of these discussions and I remember one of the things that Blake Genta said was, he said, you know, if, if you look at all of the teaching historians, um, and he's like, you know, so, you know, like a, a massively favorable number of teaching historians are historicists. And I asked the question, I'm like, how many of those teaching historians are also Christian? Thank you. Thank you. That that's that should be the first question out of our our mouth, you know. Yeah, what did he say? What was his answer to that? Because uh, uh he, he didn't really, he didn't really have a good answer for that one. Um Yeah. It it was it was it was more or less like, you know, basically, you know, these are these are professional historians and stuff like that and so you know, they they're it's it's they don't have any reason to lie about this stuff I'm like I I don't see that at all. But and and, <laughs> and when I brought up uh, Robert Price and yeah. uh, and Richard Carrier. He yeah. he didn't have much to say about Price, but he's like, well, yeah. you know, no, no one will give Carrier a job. He can't even get a job teaching. You know, when Carrier graduated, long before he ever got into Jesus mythism, that was the first thing he told him out of the gate: is here's your degree. I'm sorry, there's no jobs in America. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. it doesn't matter whether he was a mythicist or not. There are no jobs for historians. Yeah. Period. But he does his and online. He does that, his online thing and seems to do pretty well. With oh, absolutely, it. absolutely. Yeah. And it, it, the books he's written are incredibly um, influential. But but th that doesn't even matter. Um, completely spaced out on where the point I was going to make about this. Hang on a second. Carrier teacher. Uh, oh, oh yeah. Um, the point is, especially in biblical studies. Most of the institutions that have any kind of relevant field of study are religious schools to begin with. So the situation can get there. You know, I don't think mythicism is ever going to go mainstream because Jesus and biblical studies. Oh, I lost you. I lost you. No, I'm I'm here. I lost you. you I'm here. Okay, you're good. Um, where 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 was I? Yeah, that phone completely blanked out. Oh really? Uh, no, you were just talking about how uh, about how Carrier was doing well with the with the mythicism thing with his books and everything. Right. Um, the situation for for any kind of historian is tough right now, but biblical historians, in especially uh, anybody who has that kind of specialty, increasingly the only institutions that offer any kind of relevant degree or class or field of study are going to be the religious institutions. So. It's not going to get any better for, for secular historians at all, let alone ones that are espousing mythicism. Right. Okay, so then so, – okay, so that covers book one. Can yeah, book and one? book two gets into uh, – oh, book one also talks about the four gospels and what they actually have to say about Jesus. Book two talks about Jesus and the rest of the New Testament and outside the New Testament. So it's, it's all our sources for Jesus that we can come up with that have any kind of relevance to the, the question. I remember – uh, I, I met Richard Carrier when he was up here uh, doing a lecture at the University of Toronto, and uh, he had a great uh, he had a great uh, PowerPoint deck, and he was going through all of the different uh, references for Jesus, and he said, yeah. he said he said and and when we get to you know actual sources that we can you know count as reliable, he f yeah. he, he hits the thing and he goes to a blank slide. He's like <laughs> he's like yeah he's like that, that's it. He's like they don't have anything. 
<laughs> exactly. And you know what's crazy? And, and we still – we even go over all the the the, the so-called witnesses that got tied out. We talked about – touched on them in Nails, and I touched on them in, in this book too. Um, but yeah, if, you, if you're looking for contemporary, there's nothing at all. Right. If you're looking for the first century, you've got two. You've got these two disputed passages in Josephus. One is a forgery, and one's not talking about our Jesus, talking about a completely different dude altogether. Right. So that means – for the first whole in the entire first century, they have nothing at all, nothing at all. If there was a guy and, walking around the desert doing what he purportedly did, it, it would be everywhere. Yeah. Everybody would know Absolutely. about this guy. The places in the world where they weren't actually illiterate would be writing stories about this guy. Yeah. And what's worse is, and I mentioned this in the book too, we've got at least a dozen or so lesser messiahs, these wannabe loser messiahs that didn't do anything half as interesting as Jesus does in the Gospels, and yet every single one of these guys makes a dent in the historical record at that time in a way that Jesus never did. Yeah, I've, I've used a couple of other th- uh, things. In, um, uh, in, in Nailed, I've, I've, I've pulled pieces out and used them in different arguments. And you, nice. one of the interesting things you, you put in Nailed is, is you listed all of the people who... Who talked Had a about, reason. Yeah, who, who yeah. talked about Jesus, but wasn't yeah. a contemporary. And then you, right. you, you put another list together. These are all the people who should have said something. Yes, and absolutely. And didn't right. say anything. And, yeah, and uh, I want to push back on that a little bit because sometimes somebody will just like throw out 300 Roman names of historians and say, oh, they didn't mention Jesus. And yeah, that's true. But did they have a reason to mention Jesus? No, most of them did not. But... As you see, there's plenty of, of, of Hebrew historians, of Roman historians, Greek, who had plenty of reason to mention Jesus for some reason or another. Yeah, and, and it's, yeah. I, th- I think the bigger, I th- almost the bigger sticking point are the big ones, the, mm-hmm. the big ones who were, you know, who were either, who, who were silent yeah. or who weren't contemporaries, these people who just wrote yeah. stuff down. And it's, right. and it's being attributed to them. Oh, this was this was a contemporary of Jesus. I'm like, not if yeah. you look. I mean, even Wiki- Thank you. even Wikipedia, which is not <laughs> which is not a great source, shows shows they weren't either they weren't alive at that time. Right. I mean, worse than some of them are. It's like these guys are 80, 90, a hundred years after the yeah. fact. Yeah. And this is just stuff they got told, just like you got right. told in some. Absolutely. Stuff. This is just. Absolutely. Stuff they I got mean, told. the author of Luke basically says that right out of the gate he says oh yeah we i wanted to check out the story so many people are writing gospels right now i thought it would be a good idea to check out the story that's handed down to our generation yeah and, and, uh, and i think it is luke who who never claims to be an eyewitness oh no not at all none of them none of them are for claim to be uh there's a tacked on ending to john it says oh this guy was a, a, the beloved disciple of jesus and we know it's true so, so you can believe what he says yeah. and that's like one of one of at least two endings that's been tacked onto that gospel um and they're all lies because they're all based off of mark for for starters and mark is clearly it doesn't even seem like he expects his audience to think of it as anything but an allegory or at least he expects the, the literate members of his, his reading audience to uh, recognize it's an allegory. The simple people who are just hearing it told to them, they'll accept it as a, a you know a, a great story, you know. Yeah, no, it but is, they it, won't recognize yeah. the higher truths he's trying to tell. No, it is interesting after after going after going through nailed it a few times. I think I've probably read it now, or I've listened to it. I've read it twice. I've listened yeah. to it at least three or four times, 
And what's interesting is, is after you get a really good feel for how it talks about how the Gospels are written, and then you go back and read them, and you realize, uh, yeah. it's like, oh, it's like, but but that's not the way, and, and it's interesting, and, and I think one of the interesting hooks is that when you talk to, you know, a, a pastor, a priest, or whatever else like that, they, yeah. you know, they'll, they want to, they want to toss in their interpretation. They want to toss right. in, and what this means is, right. and, and what you need to consider is, all these right. other things, but if you just sit down and crack it open and read it word for yeah. word, I, I think it's a, one of them where, and I, I think it's John where it it doesn't even when I, I read John over, it doesn't even seem like he's talking about a person who was even alive. Absolutely, he or if he did, I don't know why he didn't get stoned for blasphemy five minutes out of the gate because he doesn't even care. He he back, basically has a T-shirt saying "I am God" going around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I call him in the book Superman without a Clark Kent. Yeah. He's just <laughs> he never feels doubt, never feels anything. He's just a total asshole, really. And even on the cross, he's still shouting orders down to people. And Oh, yeah, that, that, uh, that's that's another interesting point. And for everybody, for everybody who's listening to this who hasn't, who, who hasn't picked up this, I'm telling you, if, if you pick up Nailed first, then you're going to be jonesing to get these other books because it's it, 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 it wets your whistle in a way that... It, it it's like seeing the world through a new pair of eyes for the first time because it it's it shows you a different side of things and it shows you what yeah. what what your Sunday school teacher did not want you to see absolutely really <laughs> the and, book and they you, don't want and you to read pastors know a lot of this already and will admit it i remember the first time i gave a lecture at uc berkeley there was an anglican priest in the audience collar and everything sitting down there and everything i was saying he was like shaking his head going yeah 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 yeah." and he comes up to me afterwards and said yeah they told us all this in the seminary in the 40s you know like, yeah. Yeah. i can't agree with yeah. I, I have to i have to call you a liar and a heretic to your face but, but you're totally on point well religious teachings yeah. haven't changed much yeah. in the last few hundred years it's astounding yeah. and that, that's and there's so many other things that just didn't even make it into the mainstream of uh of of the new testament um early christian writings and later christian gospels and whatnot um things that we got rejected as as heresies but the fact that they were written at all blows our minds if there was if everybody knew that jesus had 12 followers and had done this and done that there's these alternate histories of the same time that make no sense whatsoever and of course all of them were complaining, claiming to be straight from the horse's mouth from Jesus and his apostles. Um, yeah, and even the, yeah, there, and there's so many things that just don't hold up. It's like when well, you know, it's when you, but it, but it's not. It's like when you read the Bible. It's yeah. I, I don't know whether everybody just puts on the rose-colored glasses, but it's after, but it after reading your book and then going back and reading it again, it's like, okay. So the so the women, okay, so two women discovered the tomb. Well, why didn't the women go tell anybody? Um, you know, and it's like, and then it talks about how, you know, how it's seen by the two women and then by the 12 and then yeah. by the disciples, like, aren't they the same people? You know, it's like, how, how are the, how are these right. things getting missed? How are these things right. getting overlooked? It doesn't and make in each gospel, yeah, each gospel puts their own spin on these things and they go off in completely incompatible directions. They're either following lockstep word for word, just verbatim cut and pasting the story, or they're fixing its mistakes and taking off in directions completely incompatibly. Right. Okay, I mean, then, John doesn't. John doesn't even really even try to match up his gospel with the other ones. He just completely goes his own way. Okay, and now book three, the Gospel according to H.G. Wells. The Gospel according to H.G. Wells. Yeah, I took a note from uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and and Carl Sagan 
But instead of doing a spaceship of the imagination, I did a time machine of the imagination. And uh, it's a very heavily footnoted trip of the imagination. So, yes, it's fictional, but everything I say in there happened in some form or another, even if it's a fictionalized form. Um, and those are all the things that led up to Christianity. And um, and it's just it's fascinating to see how many different – how far back Christianity goes and how many – different influences went into its creation. Yeah. And it's funny because I remember in, in nailed when it, when um, like one of your, I can't remember which myth it is, but it's, you know, that Christianity was this, you know, kind of like this, this brand new thing, new and, and it, unique thing. And yeah. It, and it, and it burst onto the scene and it's like, well, no, cause if you actually look at it and you look at the, 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 the history behind it, it took yeah. a couple hundred years yes. before it took, but before it actually grabbed on anything. And before it was even the size of Romans minor cults. I mean, it was socially invisible. Yeah, but it was also it's, yeah. it also mirrors a lot of the previous religions like that of Horus and stuff that was also oh, sure. born of a virgin on December twenty fifth, died for three days and then rose again. I mean, it's there's, there's you, been previous. Well, I was going to say you do have to thing. be careful with some of these parallels because some of them just don't match up. You know, right. um, atheists went too far in the Victorian era and they just don't hold up. But what we do know, what we do know, everything about it shows that it was originally. Or at least one of the forms, because there wasn't just one Christianity beginning. It didn't just snowball down from Golgotha and spread across the land. Right. It propped up here and there at all the different ends of the empire. But the main thrust of it's in a mystery faith, a Jewish version of the mystery faiths. Um, so it, it's not that he was a cookie cutter of the Horus cult or the Isis cult or the Mithra cult. He is a mystery faith, you know. Yeah. He's not a knockoff. He's not like... Right. So, yeah. uh, okay. So how much do you, I, I mean, so it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been shocking for there to have been an apocalyptic preacher walking around in first century Palestine. Right? No, absolutely not. We had, we know of at least a half dozen of them right. and there are plenty more. Right. And I should point that out too. There's nothing implausible, nothing unremarkable about the fact that Jesus was a regular person. But that's not where our evidence points to. Right. That's all I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so how, okay. Uh, here's another question, completely changing gears. Yeah. Have you ever thought about going after, I don't know, any of the other thousands of bullshit stories in the Bible? Like, I mean, you could make like a Old Testament, you mean? Yeah, like or, you could make or? a career. Just start at the, at the flood. You, you know, it, <laughs> I could, I could. And actually the, the sex and violence in the Bible talk will do a lot of that legwork. Yeah. for us I mean, um, leviticus because, and exodus are just horrific things sure like, yeah and and it's funny it's and it's not even just christianity i mean but you go to the old testament and like abraham moses you know all these there's all these big ticket items in there that are clearly mythical too yeah. they didn't exist either um what's amazing to me all over the decades of doing this research into jesus all the things i've learned just as a side effect have blown my mind including having Buddhist scholars come up to me, having ex-Muslims come up to me and say, you know what, we're having these exact same debates in our circles about whether the Buddha was a historical person or whether Muhammad was a historical person. And that... Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I've never that's heard... Huge. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody question... Muhammad. Muhammad as a historical figure. Yeah. I mean, There's actually an imam who got himself a fatwa for saying, you know what? I have to leave because I don't think he existed anymore. Wow. Uh, and there's some good books on the subject too. Ibn Warwick has written uh, one at least. And um, 
here's another one in search of the historical Muhammad. And when when they break down what their reasons are for putting Muhammad into doubt, all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense now because now it sounds like we're talking about Jesus again um, wow, because all our historical evidence for him does not pass the mustard. It, it all peters out around 100 years before, after his time. So none of it goes back to the 7th century. Wow. Yeah, it blows my mind. Blows my mind. Very cool. Okay, so and then, what's funny about that is it almost seems like it's the norm for a major world religion to have a mythic founder. And people like L. Ron Hubbard and John, Joe Smith are the outliers because sure. they were actually okay. real. Yeah. Right. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. So, okay, so what kind of a time, you know, you, you talked about uh, some science fiction books that you have to get uh, yeah. in the pipeline. So what kind of a time, so science fiction is super cool. But, Thank you. But I live and breathe on, I live and breathe on the, on the Jesus stuff. So, so when, yeah, I, so, get, I feel your pain. So when can we expect, uh, uh, when can we expect the, the next, uh, the next book? Well, I, again, I, I have to finish book three. We turned in book two of Time Shards and that'll be coming out early in the spring. Um, and then we have to jump on book three. And as soon as I'm done with that, and I'll probably be done with that in, in May or so is what our, we're shooting for. I will immediately jump on working on the sex and violence in the Bible and, and the Jehovah's Witness book at the same time. So what you're telling uh, me is at, at it, minimum, I can expect something in my stocking for next Christmas. What I'm telling you is there's this great <laughs> science fiction trilogy you should be reading in the meantime. It's exactly. so awesome. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, and actually, no joke, I'm super jazzed about that sci-fi trilogy because it is, it's, it's pretty awesome. And the critics have been – I'm super proud of it uh, and the critics have loved it. And um, it's been really off the hook. That's and I think cool. you'll dig it. That's very I think cool. You'll dig it. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, well, I think we've taken up enough of your time. What's uh, – it's – well, geez, yeah, it's, it's – uh, 8 o'clock. Yeah, so it's not even – what time is it there? Three hours behind, right? Yeah. Three hours behind whatever time it is now, yeah. Yeah. It's only 26 there. You haven't even had dinner yet. <laughs> nope, Jeez. nope. This is, how, this is how I suffer for you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. We find the mind is sharper when it's hungry. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's why we were pushing the whole thing off. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Dean was totally fine. He could have done it earlier. We were just totally fucking with it. Yeah. Make him wait. Let's make him wait. I actually got okay, he's gotta want home it. later he's gotta than want usual. It. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so again, to recap, um, everybody who's listening, whether you start with Nailed, uh, and actually, I think I'd actually recommend that. I would too. I think I'd Honestly, recommend it's, starting it's, with Nailed. It's a, it's a good intro into the whole topic, yeah. Yeah, and then they can look for. Well, you can already find the first of the trilogy uh, available it, in. Uh, well, it, they're all available on print. You can find them. What's the best right. place to get those? Just Amazon um, thing or through? Yeah, anywhere books are sold and Barnes and Noble or Amazon, uh, look at them. Or if you want me to come to your town and speak to you and bring books to autograph, we can do that too. I'm and I dying doing... to do that. And like I said before, we started I'm... recording. I'm dying to get you up here. I think that I wanna. Yeah, I, I think that that would be so cool. It you, would be. You can see the what used to be the tallest freestanding structure in the world. That's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll take you to the good side of Niagara Falls. Because the U.S. side is shit. I've never even been to the U.S. side. So, yeah, it's, that, it's whole, garbage. that whole well, neck of the woods I, I want to see. You can't, yeah. you can't really talk about the CN Tower and Niagara Falls. They're two hours apart from each other. Yeah. Oh, we can do that. We can, we can make that happen. Okay. So, every, okay. So everybody listen to this, start with nailed. And then after that, you can either find, uh, the complete trilogy, uh, in print 
You can find the first book available now on audiobook, wherever you get your but wait, books. But wait, Michael. Oh, yes. <laughs> We've but turned that's in not book all. two and three. We just, I just recorded them the scant, not even a week ago. Uh, we, we finished that in the recording studio. So those will be coming out maybe as early as tomorrow, but definitely within a week from today, those should have hit the market. And I will definitely pimp that out on Facebook and let everybody know. Yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah. those are coming very soon, yeah. very soon. And then you can, if, you, if you're like me and you prefer audiobooks, then those are going to be available. I love listening to the author read their work. Yeah. It's very, very cool. And also I can put my headphones on. I can do do shit around the house. And your eyes don't get tired. And my eyes don't get tired, yeah. <laughs> and I've already got enough of a de- I've already got enough of a, a damage thing going on there. And not to be a total promo whore, but no, I no. also if if you love audiobooks, I say get the audiobooks for sure. But you might also want to to buy the hard copy because that's got all the footnotes in it. And I tried to read as many of the footnotes that were relevant in the time, but you know, when you've got a, a uh, nonfiction audiobook, you can't really stop and digress at every minute. So it's worth having just to be able to flip through it, you know, through the index and get to the sections you want. No, so. absolutely. And you can also, and, and yes, absolutely. <laughs> One of the cool things is, and like we, I shared before we started recording, is um, every time I go over and visit my father-in-law, He'll be sitting there with one of those books, and he'll have <laughs> scribbled. And what's funny is that is that the man is well, one he's he's like R and Raw big. He's like he's six, <laughs> he's six four, two hundred and forty wow. pounds. Wow! Um, but he's a very gentle Frenchman, and nice. so he scribbles in there, but he scribbles in French. And he hands me the book, and I'm like, what the hell am I going to do with this? I, I barely <laughs> I barely speak Canada's first language, let alone our second. Um, and so we we but we've you have been the topic of so much discussion. And that I think you really have heart. brought uh, my father-in-law and I closer together. That warms my heart. You know, my, my Methodist father-in-law and I are, are closest when we talk about Jesus stuff too, ironically enough. Wow, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe in some way he is bringing the world together. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Which is a hell of a thing for somebody who probably didn't exist. Exactly. See? Come on, people now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, listen, David, thank you so much for coming back on. And, I, it's been um, an absolute joy, and I'm delighted I'm on the on episode 69, the uh, sexiest episode of all. That's right, <laughs> violent and, sex. <laughs> and and listen, when when sex and violence in the Bible is ready to, uh, when you're ready to, to pimp that out, you we will have you back on again. I know where to call. Awesome. All right. Well, and then, and until I get the chance to see you guys all up in Toronto area, you know, let me know. Uh, I I'd be happy to. Absolutely. To see you on the internet. I got a spare. I got a spare bedroom nine feet from me. You can stay with us, and uh, you know we'll we'll trek into Toronto for the talks and to sell your books. Awesome. That sounds like a dream within a dream. Uh, uh, we just have to survive. We just have to survive tomorrow, and then make sure there's still yeah, a country. exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So all right. So we'll do a little sign off here, and then I'll say a proper goodbye once we st- hit the stop button. You but, got it. Uh, well, that's that's well, well, somewhat short episode this week. Yeah. Know? Thanks for being on. Yeah. But thank uh, you guys. I think we've gotten into enough trouble. <laughs> um, but we'll be back at you again with uh, next week with a new episode. I have no idea what we're going to talk about. <laughs> we'll figure if, it out. If we come to you next week and the first, well, see, it's hard because the first word is out of my mouth is almost always fuck anyway. But yeah. if the very, very first word I say is fuck, then you know tomorrow went horribly wrong. Yes. <laughs> but we can hope. We can hope. All right. So, but uh, yeah. until next week, yeah. I have been Michael. I have been Dean. And I've been Dave Fitzgerald. All right. And uh, we will talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. It's Michael here. just wanted to add a quick little uh, note uh, to the end of this uh, podcast. Um, 
we were talking to Dave on uh, on a FaceTime uh, call, and just towards the end there, his name gacked out a little bit. Uh, but I just, so I just wanted to uh, to say it again. Uh, I want to thank uh, David Fitzgerald so much for uh, coming onto the podcast. And uh, after we, you know, said our our virtual goodbyes, of course we spent a little, we spent a couple more minutes chatting. And um, he wanted uh, to mention that uh, he loves getting emails from uh, fans. So you can, uh, you can reach out to him at everybodylovesdave at gmail.com, and I'm sure he'd be uh, happy to hear from you. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, Dave's a great guy, and uh, wanted to thank him again so much for uh, coming on the podcast. We'll see you guys next week. This has been The CA. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please drop by the iTunes store and give us a review and subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they release. Just a reminder, the views expressed on this broadcast are solely those of the hosts and are for entertainment purposes only. Never take advice from two guys expressing an opinion on a podcast. That's just silly. See you back here soon.